0: Take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Alright.
1: So, our next guest here, Andrew Eden. First of all, thank you so for joining me. Um, I wanted to ask, how annoying is it you being in the Navy? We'll start off people making, you know, sperm jokes.
0: Well, yes, it's, I, I relate it to when I worked at the hockey arena. See, like my rank as of uh, the 3rd of September and before was called leading Seaman, um, but now it's Sailor First Class. So I, I, when I worked at the hockey arena, I used to take beer from the fridge, past all the seats to the, um, to the truck and vice right. versa. So as you'd pass, all the dads I'd call them every single one would make the, Hey, is that beer for me? And you just give them the, you just give them the finger guns and be like, Hey, it's for you. (laughs) And then you go three feet. And then the next guy's like, Hey, is that for me? And And like, you do that all the way fucking down the line until you get to the fridge and then you want to kill yourself. Um, So it's the same thing. Whenever I would say introduce my rank, i would go, I'm leading semen hidden. Every single person, Thought they were the first ones mm. to make the correlation between the two and be like, "Oh my God, that's like you know," <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I get it." Like, "Yeah, we're in a we're in a boat or a submarine, long and hard." Yeah, you've watched *Austin Powers*. You, good for you, good <laughs> for you. And then,
1: so now yeah, it's
0: a bit I, better. It's, it's gender neutral, which doesn't make much difference to me, but it is it is easier to because uh, we we have slang for our rank. So my rank is a killick as you would say. So I would just say that instead. i like, "Oh, I'm a killic i'm in the killer
1: right yeah no i get the same thing with uh when i tell people i work in radio it's oh you you have a voice or uh, yeah, you have a face, face for Face radio, radio. Face free, yeah, remember working yeah. customer service and if like the cash wasn't working or debit was down like oh it's free
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good <laughs> always example. everyone
1: has a comment and you're just like oh god
0: I'm yeah <laughs> <gonna die." laughs>
1: anyway so like i'm pretty interested in in a couple things obviously um the first off being you did two tours? Yes. Overseas? So I want to definitely get to that. And before I go any further, I want to give out uh, a shout-out to a friend of the show, Casey Morrison, who uh, who set this up, um, who set up so many guests. But shout-out to her. She always likes to hear her name. But what made you want to get into this line of work? Because I think you know, I, it once had some sort of – prestige, and I'm not saying it doesn't now, but I think millennials and younger people are less and less interested in, in serving their country and, and you know putting their, their lives in this dangerous type of work. So what made you want to get into it?
0: Well, that's, uh, you, you mentioned that, and that's fairly accurate. Uh, I always joke that it's because McDonald's didn't call me back. See, I never <laughs> thought I would join the military. Um, my father was Royal Air Force um, in England, and he fought in the Falkland Islands War, um google that it's a really interesting read um and so he, he has the best stories you know every time we get to a few beers and us or he gets some old friends or he met he sees a, somebody he hasn't seen for 30 odd years how he met my mom that kind of stuff he just gets rolling and it's hilarious. Exciting, interesting. He's the most interesting man I've ever met. I'm not just saying that because he's my old man. Everyone's mm-hmm. dad is probably the most interesting man yet. But this guy, he, he was almost sold for, for uh, sold for camels as a sex slave when he was 10 years old in Egypt and shit like You know what I mean? Like just shit like that. So I was like, I'm an aspiring stand-up comedian. I've done stand-up comedy before, yuck yuck's here in Ottawa and uh, all sorts of mm. places. And I was like, you know what, like, I'm a very boring person. Like I sit at home and I watch YouTube or I, you know, binge watch Brooklyn nine, nine for the 80th time. And then I was like, you know, I need to see the world. How can you really be a good comedian if you haven't had any life experience? Mm-hmm. Um, the armory in Brockville, my hometown happened to be hiring. So I thought, okay, right on, let's try out. And, uh, I did an aptitude test, which is math, um, vocabulary and a, uh, personality test and then they sat me down They're like dude you can choose any job you want in the military i was like what do you mean what any job i was like isn't there just you know guns and then maybe a, a tank or something and they're like no no you can do anything like there's technicians engineers uh, uh cooks like anything i want us so i was like okay fuck so i was like i was interested in you know video games and electronics drones is what my key um Point was so I was like, what jobs would have that involved? So they said airborne electronic sensor operator, which is uh, basically you're in a helicopter or in the Hercules um, giant cargo aircraft kind of thing, and you're operating radar or sonar equipment, mostly radar um, cameras. I, I was a photographer for a while too, a school photographer, so I've, I've had experience with that. So I was like, okay, cool. Did the test for that, but I had glasses at the time, so they wouldn't let me in. Um, but the naval electronic sensor robber didn't give a shit. They're like, "Dude, you're blind. Come on in. We got you. Like, <laughs> we need people." So then, like ten days later, I was in boot camp, and I was like, "This, this is a very uh, eye-opening experience for sure." Right. So I kind of fell into it out of almost desperation, but at the same time, there is a a sense of like it is a job i'm proud of
1: mm-hmm.
0: um not all the time i clean a lot of toilets and i paint a lot of i scrape a lot of rust shit like that you know so there's days where you don't feel but then you, you occasionally you do something really cool like you shoot an island or you you, tr- you tail a russian submarines which is what i did on both tours um you get to meet a bunch of really interesting people and you know you dress up every now and then your uniform you, you feel good you, you, you go uh you go downtown St. John's and you have a bunch of girlies pinching your butt and stuff like that when you're wearing your white. So you, you get little things like that and make it feel good. And it has really good benefits and mm-hmm. good pay and uh, a good pension if I am to survive that long.
1: Right. Uh, going back just a little bit to something you said, uh, Russian submarine. Yeah. Let's elaborate on that. I mean, that, that sounds, that sounds wild. Cause you think that, I mean, we all know Russia I guess you could say that it, they're, they're nice, but like, they're also a little shady. Like, so what was going on there?
0: Well, Russia, R- Russia's not the bad guys. Like to, to us, anybody doing anything suspicious, we're kind of like cops, I guess you could say um, Russia's just not a part of NATO. So that's why they, mm. there's a big red flag on them. Ironically enough, their flag, their old Soviet flag, not, they're not that the command and conquer Soviets or anything. Um, So whenever, whenever we deploy or both my tours, it's called operation reassurance. So we're basically there to show, not show a force, but to show how fast we can deploy and show our power once we get there. So if there's any country that does something suspicious, you know, like piracy or smuggling, stuff like that, we can show them how fast we can turn up and be like, hey, cut that shit out. Or you know what I mean? Like we don't really enforce anything. So we are in Palma, Mallorca, Spain, and uh, uh, which is an island off of Ibiza. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the techno CD, but it's a mm. fucking party island. So we were on kind of like a shore leave sort of thing. So we were getting wasted. And then we got a call from NATO saying that uh, a Russian submarine and two Grigorovich class destroyers were coming down to launch missiles into Syria. So we were like, oh shit. So they called us all back in so we all showed up back of the boat still drunk still got glitter on because there's a party there's a club there that has foam parties and uh like oxygen in the bathroom so you like you can breathe it in as you oh pee and it gets you like right right good so we were like throwing ropes off the boat like hot so, like ugh, fuck, like people were swaying back and forth and burping like we anyways made it to syria from spain in 20 less than 24 hours and then we tailed at krasnodar Uh, Russian submarine, they launched six cruise missiles, SSN-30s, about two nautical miles away from us into Syria as a test firing. And uh, we were there the whole time, and then we tailed them for 28 days. So we went 28 days without shore, uh, showers, or uh, flushing if it was number one because of the sound. We couldn't make too much noise because of the submarine, because it would dive, which is – I can't remember the actual rules of it, but if a submarine goes under, it's not the – it's not the most, um, consp- it's, it's, being, uh, it's suspicious, I guess you right. would say. Like, I don't know about maritime law as much as I probably should, but <laughs> if a submarine goes underneath, um, we need to look for it. Cause it could, not only could it do something, you know, terrorism or war, it could accidentally run into a cargo ship and then we would have to, you know, help them out, something like that. Cause you know, submarines kind of hard to see down there. Um, so yeah, so we, uh, we had to stay quiet. We tailed it. And that's pretty much it. We didn't do much else besides just, you know, kind of, you know, pulling it out and being like, this is ours. Show us yours. Sort of thing. You know, the whole um, comparing Dick's competition that people say that countries do. I was going to say,
1: yeah, it's kind of like a big, uh, like, it's like, Hey, don't move. My dick's bigger. Here we go. Look how fast I can whip it out. Let's go.
0: And it's not (laughs) because it's for our Russian listeners. um, It's not because like we think you're the enemy. If it was a, turkish submarine actually turkey's part of nato so if it was like a bulgarian submarine even though they don't have one we'd be like what the hell like we would show up anyways you know but it just so happens that it was a russian one, and we knew that they were test firing their weapons so we wanted to make sure you know everything was on the up and up i guess you could say right
1: as i'm trying to as i go back into like my geography brain here you spain like you had to swing across down past africa and back up to syria right because syria is on the
0: nope nope syria is um uh, to... on the eastern side of the Mediterranean. So you got Spain, Italy, and then Syria. Oh, so, on the so you're end.
1: in the Mediterranean, gotcha. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Going through the Suez you know. is a fucking disaster. I've never done it, but it's a really dangerous and expensive endeavor. And that's, yeah, that's where you have to go down the Horn of Africa and up into the Suez Canal. Right, right. And that's right. Just, just straight across, right?
1: So is that like when you did your, your two tours, were you mo- is that like mostly where our Navy is in that kind of region? Because I know like, Middle East is kind of like the the area that we're, we're peacekeeping, I guess. I mean, anything I say, if you're just like, Ryan, you're an idiot, this is what it's actually going right. on. I just, I hear the news, right? Or I read yeah. Twitter. And now, especially with, with COVID and, you know, everything that's kind of happened, like, who know, like, I don't think anybody knows really what's going on in, in the Middle East or what our military's mm. kind of operations are. So yeah. like, is that where you guys kind of mostly stationed uh, and then you kind of like patrol that general region or was it kind of all over
0: uh, mostly actually yeah you're right um eastern med and the black sea we go to the black sea quite often um and the north seas so we go to the baltics um so we go there i haven't been to the baltics as much as i would like to It was uh, one of my favorite places to go um but yeah, our deployments usually eastern med is like where most of our missions are mm. but we do a lot of um uh training in public relations with another other nato country so we go to italy a lot and france and the black sea for romania and bulgaria turkey we went to turkey my last tour we went to turkey five times um and a little bit of africa for what it's safe to go so we do we patrol around there we monitor for um contacts of interest as we call them so it's like you know if a ship has a history of uh um, smuggling or illegal because there's actually like it's before i joined up i had no i didn't even know what boats were um so there's actually like sea lanes as there would be like a highway like the 417 Mm. so if a ship if a cargo ship is not in one of those lanes and he's just out in the middle of fuck all nowhere that's suspicious so we'll go over there we'll hail them send our helicopter and the helicopter can take photos of him and get his MMSI number. Cause every ship has like a serial number, if you, if you will. And it goes into a database and from that database, we can see, do they have, it's kind of like a driver's license too. Like they have mm-hmm. five demerits. So, you know, so we'll go like, Hey, you doing anything? All right, good. Cause we're on to you kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, sort of policing, I guess you could say. Right. Um, but a lot of that, I actually, I don't have much, much knowledge on because that's more like the, uh, the bridge, the officers, and the NAVCOMs and right. stuff, they usually deal with the actual radio calls. I sense that they're there. Like, my job is to look at a screen, the whole But, like, I have to correlate what is a vessel, what isn't a vessel, what's on the vessel, and then I make up, like, a stat card, like a baseball card. Like, this this is this long, this is this many crew, this weapons, this is how we should fight it if we need to fight it, and we hand mm-hmm. it off. So it's all, oh, like, okay. yeah. If um, you're playing a video game, where like, the the mini map on like a Starcraft or Age of Empires. And we like pick out the bad, good guys and the bad guys.
1: Right. Now, when you're, when you're out there, like, just because like, I know there's so many different factions of like the armed forces, you know, but like as Navy, like, did you do any like kind of combat missions or like touchdown missions where you actually had to go into these countries oh, or no. like, it was mostly you guys were just kind of, like you said, like policing and, and kind of patrolling. Yeah. That
0: was what you, that's what Marines are. Okay. So we would never land. We have boarding parties. We have an enhanced boarding party and then a ship's boarding party. Although boarding these days is a lot of legal issues to it. And I don't even know if we're allowed to in the Eastern Med and stuff. Um, But no, that's where America, uh, Britain, a lot of other countries have Marines. So that's what they would transport these Marines on these big land cruisers can not land cruisers, sorry, land transports. They look like aircraft carriers, but they're not, but inside they'll have tanks and Jeeps and all sorts of shit. And then they'll land, deploy the, the ground forces and they do their thing. And no, the Navy doesn't really see combat. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we're in peacetime right now, technically. Right. So we wouldn't, um, and luckily because ship on ship combat, like when I first joined up, I thought we still broadsided each other, like, you know, World yeah. War II battleships. But no, like guns are not a big thing. Like that's what my job is too, is to fire the main gun, the 57 millimeter, um, which is really small, but I have the, I have a shell over there. I should go get it and show you. Um, uh, But the Americans have like 127 millimeter. The Russians have 127. That's probably the biggest gun you're going to see. And it's all about missiles. So uh, a cruise missile from like a American Ticonderoga, um, a Tomahawk, it can hit England from Italy, if not farther. So there, like if it, the ships you'll never see the ship that you're fighting, sort of thing. So that's why navies aren't as prevalent. They're they're definitely still necessary, especially for us because we have the hugest coastline in the world, and we have one of the smaller navies. Um, but when it comes yeah to actual ship and ship combat, yeah it'd be mostly air force would be doing most of it. Fighters, bombers, they go supersonic. Some of these things. So like we won't even we won't even see it before we're dead. So we're all, especially the Canadians, we're all like self-defense. All of our weapons are twenty millimeter, our missiles, and our fifty-seven are all like anti-air, anti-missile weapons. Like, we we aren't really meant to destroy other ships. Luckily,
1: well, I mean that's good and bad. I suppose that we're not the the, the aggressors, and we're not the ones you know oh, causing yeah. shit. <laughs> we're just like, hey, hey, we're happy to be here, guys. And if shit goes down, then 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 we'll. Oh
0: okay. yeah, for sure.
1: I, I I am one of the like. Biggest things I'm curious about is what is the perception of of Canada like around the world? Like I'm, I assume you have talked with other militaries. Uh, you know, you said you did public relations in other countries. What is like the true perception of what it means to be Canada or or of Canadians? Like just in your general conversations or, or what you're talking about. And like the reason I ask is because we have such a divided kind of. I think perception of our, our country right now um, and not even too much as America, but we're kind of getting in there where like conservatives are like, we're becoming the laughing stock, you know, true to this, true to that. Whereas like, I think people who lean more left are still kind of like, oh yeah, like everyone laughs that we're like the sorry people. And, you know, we always apologize mm. and we're all super nice and friendly and say a boo.
0: Um,
1: You know, is, is any of that correct? At, at least based on your experience and
0: conversations? Um, yes or no. For the most part um they like us when i go to like the bars the restaurants in europe i have to tell them that i'm canadian because they they immediately assume you're american <laughs> as soon as you open your mouth because they don't um they, they'll know something's off because we don't sound the same but they just say, assume since we're speaking english and we don't have british accents they're like oh right. you must be american as soon as you say you're canadian usually they're like whoa hey oh, come on in because like we're not as uh, present when it comes to Americans in combat situations or wherever, you know, everyone has their stereotypes and their perceptions. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, yeah, other militaries, though, they think we're pretty great, too, because we're, we're fairly professional in what we do. We're small and we're, you know, we have a bit older equipment, at least the Navy does. I don't know anything about the Army. Um, but well, when you mention us, uh, a lot of like Brits and French, they really like us because of what we did in Afghanistan. I don't know much about what we did. In mm-hmm. Af- I was in after the whole Afghanistan thing, but they think we're really great because apparently we were, you know, boss of the walls down there. And when it comes to our navies, we do all sorts of times, we, uh, we call them cross poles, where we'll send like a couple sailors to their boat and then they come to ours. And then we just, you know, we show them our daily life and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll have a few drinks with them here and there. And usually they think that we're great because we're fairly, we're a bit uptight when it comes to security and um, uh, afraid of threats. But at the same time, we're fairly relaxed. You know, we have a good watch rotation now where we, we have a gym on board. We have three bars on the ship. We have, you know, a hard drive with tens of thousands of movies with a big screen TV that we can watch during... So we have a, yeah, we have a good perception, I think. Uh, overall, they, they obviously you know, you get the jokes, like, oh, you're the nice guys. But you know, it's kind of nice being the nice guys. Yeah. Because if, the only time I've ever, when we went into Greece, Greece is not overly fond of NATO right now, uh, which is why I'm not because they're part of NATO. So when we went into their Athens on my first tour, the Americans were just there and they just left when we came here. But they had these big banners across the harbor that said, NATO killers go home as we came in. So you do get that sometimes. And for like the people um, that are just like anti-military, anti-government, I don't really have much political view because I just, they pay me. Okay. I just want to, you know, I just want (laughs) to play vampires.
1: Someone want to rock the boat.
0: Yeah, exactly. Rock the (laughs) boat. You you get those people like, oh, you're baby killers and stuff. like, dude, like I didn't do shit. I I sit in my cabin and I watch Rick and Morty. Like I, I don't do nothing
1: it's yeah we get that um because we get fed the the stories that were were told right especially like i i i know a few people who are in the military but went like after like after like i kind of stopped really talking to them so like haven't Mm. really got a a good sense of you know what they're doing um but you know we we get the stories of like world war one and passchendaele and and you know vimy ridge and and you know, our heroic efforts at uh, Juno beach, like all these different like heroic stories mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of become these like mythical tales of history. But then when we get into like more like modern stuff, like you almost don't hear anything um, other than when like people die, uh, unfortunately, yeah. right. We, we have a soldier that's kind of sent home and then, you know, the the whole country kind of like mourns about it. But we're, we're not really informed or told about like anything that's going on. And like you said, right off the hop, I mean, like you don't even really know what's going on outside of the Navy. So like someone who doesn't even watch the news, like has no clue what, what missions are being fought, like what, what people are actually doing, what are like actual, some of the, the, the threats that, you know, we, we never hear about. Cause it's just, it's not really part of our normal dialogue right now, especially that we are in a peacetime.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's a mixture between um, the time, definitely. The military is always glorified back in the early mm-hmm. days. And we are guilty for it in the Navy, where we just talk about the good old days, you know, the good old days, like good old days, good old days, good old days. Back in my day, we didn't have, you know, phones and we didn't have electricity on the boats. And I'm like, well, back in your day, you also arrested people for being gay. So let's, like, let's let's not go back, you know, to the good old days, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, so back in those days, especially since we were still kind of under English influence, um, having a mighty, you know, empire, like army, that was really pr- proud. Plus in World War I and World War II, World War I, it was like the entire planet was destroying itself. In World War II, you literally had a James Bond villain uh, who would have taken over, taken over the world like Pinky and the Brain style. So we had like a united reason, like he had to be a hero. Otherwise, the world was going to be turned to garbage. But now you don't really have that, um, I guess, Osama bin Laden sort of, you know, mm. comical. You don't have that picture that you can put on the walls and be like, this is the bad guy. We need to stop him or else everything's going to go to shit. You don't have, really have that as much anymore. Like, I don't know who, you know, world leaders are in the middle east that were threats i don't know what's going on in syria we were just there like mm-hmm. I, I just uh, i just you know i drink my uh, my coffee and i go to work every day just like everyone else it's just my job is on a warship right and also media like social media like everybody on facebook is um like a an expert on everything you know like a person reads an article on uh military tactics and they're like no you should be doing Second, like i like this people who you know fat guys who can't play hockey, but will sit there and yell at the poor 18 year old kid on the TV. You're a piece of shit. I would have done this. Like, oh, well, we'll do it then. You know what I mean? Like, they don't know. It's the same thing. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, all, all you get is like one person go on Facebook and or Twitter or whatever it is and be like, yeah, the military is a, a sham. I, you know, they're killing babies in Africa. And then 10 people read it and they go, oh, do you hear about this? Did you hear about this? And then everything goes, you know, that's why whenever we do missions, we keep that, especially when we're in Syria, we had like no contact with the outside world, nothing at all. Because mm. you never know what's really going to happen. And if you have people relaying false information, shit spreads hard, especially rumors and stuff. We had an issue at our second trip, like a, a girl got sent home. She had a family emergency. She got sent home. And before she got home, there are rumors that, she was pregnant and that's why she was home. So her family was freaking out cause they heard and she got there and she's like, what, what are you talking about? I'm not pregnant. It's just like, a, a, I think her family had like a, an illness or something. So she had to go home. But that's what I mean. Like the, the whole s- misinformation spread was just madness. So like, yeah. I think that's also a contributor to today's plus like nobody really knows what nobody, nobody knows what the military does. Nobody, you know, especially for Canada too, because America, they really, um, they're really proud, like, I'm not proud, but they really like, they, they, you see people dressed up in uniform all the time in America in it's shopping very malls and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes we do too. I, I only use my, if I'm on my way home from work, I need to pick up, you know, like a soda or something at the shop. I'll stay in my uniform because I, I don't want to have to go all the way home just to get changed. But they're like, if you're in uniform in certain stores, they'll give you a military discount. Um, the you can go to the front of the lines in some places uh when i was in charleston um south north carolina south carolina one mm, of the carolinas
1: south carolina yeah.
0: um yeah south carolina beautiful place by the way uh it's a it's a naval base so there's a lot of military there so if you go i went to the grocery store and I, there's like markings on the floor it says like if you're in uniform you're ncus you can stand in the front of the line and people will let you do it like but if I was here, people would be like, hey, asshole, like, uh, I, I never would do it. Like, uh, who wants to wait an extra five minutes? But, you know, it's just the culture, too. Like, America, they're much more proud of their mm-hmm. military as opposed to us, where we're just like, well, oh, it's there. We only have, like, 15,000 sailors, whereas America has 15,000 ships, you know? Like, well, not that many, but they have, like, 5,000 ships. So, yeah, I think it's just a culture thing, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, America's still definitely – you know, I, I'm not saying rightly or wrongfully that they still glorify their their military and are still, you know, very much that like we're the best. They one thing I noticed is they politicize their military a lot. Um, you know, you you go back into the Kaepernick um, kneeling and how everyone was saying that was like a disrespect to our, our military and uh, the flag and then you had military members like some were like yeah it is and then other people were like i don't know, I don't give a shit this is like why i fight you know right so it's like it's all politicized but it's funny you say that because like like every time i see someone in uniform it, it like i don't know you don't want to be weird but it's it's not quite like the level of meeting like a celebrity but when you see them like you kind of like acknowledge them and you just like give them like you want to like give them like a solid head nod or a smile like there is still something at least for me that i'm like man like i wouldn't like, I, I have, like, massive anxiety about, like, death and to think of putting my life on the line and, and doing so, like, just because I'm, like, a, a good person. Like, it just, to me, I think that, like, that type of work deserves that type of respect, like, no matter where you're from.
0: Well, it's, yeah. well, the first thing you do when you get to boot camp is you sign an unlimited liability, which means you can be ordered to potentially your death for your nation sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Luckily in Canada, we don't have that situation arise a lot. Um, Cause it's not like we don't have big battles like we used to. Um, obviously in Afghanistan stuff, you had all that kind of shit, but you don't, yeah, you're never like, especially the Navy. Maybe I don't think we've had, sorry, this past year we had some casualties with a helicopter going down, right? but that wasn't, a, it wasn't because of violence. Like we, they weren't shot down. They just had, I don't know what happened, but it went down. Um, so for the most part, we, haven't, we have a pretty safe, like we haven't fired a weapon at a another vessel, I think, since just after 9-11 and it was a warning shot. And that's it. Like, I think Korea was the last major war that the Navy was actually involved violently in, um, which is a half a reason why I would never join the army itself, because oh, I don't like lifting things and I don't want to be, you know, dug in a trench in the middle of Ukraine and being shot at by cannons and we're like, like artillery cannons and shit like that. So the Navy at least get a bed and I get meals four times a day and soup every day at 10, whatever the soup is. But yeah, so <laughs> it's um, always good to be a Canadian, but yeah, you're right though. Like occasionally I'll get like when you see in the, the States, when they're in uniform, people are like, Oh, thank you for your service and this and this and this. Yeah. Um, I some I only get that sometimes. And it's always like, it's just a job, man. Like I didn't join I'm not a huge Patriot. I'm like, uh, I think it's Jack Reacher. He's like, there's like the four types of people that join Patriots um, people that just want a job, Um, people that have no choice, like people with a criminal record or um, you know, they can't, they don't have any college education or anything like that. And then people that enjoy violence, the violent people. And you see those in boot camp when you're there, because all the different trades are there like army, air force, infantry, the whole works. So you see the, you know the guys that you're like that guy's a dingus. He's definitely you know, he's infantry just because you don't need a uh, high school diploma to be in there. All right, but infantry is a very hard job. I wouldn't recommend it. Hmm. And then you see like the patriots, like I want to serve my country, you know, and you're just like the country pays my pays my rent. That's it for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what um, uh, boot camp like is there? A movie or like a tv show that like actually actually portrays it properly um oh, when yeah. i think back of the, i love watching band of brothers like the in the, the boot camp scenes or they're yeah they're always imagine golden. that
0: but french because <laughs> uh, our boot camp is saint sur richelieu which is just outside montreal oh. and it's usually run by the van dues um i think they're the 22nd foot regiment it's a french infantry regiment so most of my staff your master corporals and your sergeants they're usually former infantry guys um my actual particular my uh, my drill sergeant if you will was a master seaman uh, master sailor now master seaman kilfoy and he he actually deployed with me um like a year and a half after that which is pretty trip. So like, I seen him on the boat when I go across, I was like, kill for, and he's like, you got some lint on your beret. I'm like, fuck you. Like I can say that now, (laughs) like you're, you're no longer my, my master. Um, but yeah, that's, it's very similar. You don't have as much violence because back in the day, you used to be able to like, you know, give a little elbow or a punch to your recruits to smarten them up. Now Mm -hmm. you can't do that. But it's the same thing. Like the first day we're getting yelled at called, um, fella six bunks down from me was called a retarded bag of smashed assholes on his first day because he didn't have his like his bed made and you just get yeah you just berated and you're you're exhausted you sleep four hours a night you get people like you get surprise drilled um they flood the bathroom when you're at lunch one day and then you have to clean it all up um squats with your rifle on your wrists when you fuck up like all the stuff it's just like you would in band of brothers or yeah. full metal jacket actually is a pretty yeah. good one too um, but yeah, just with French accents. So then you get in shit because you can't understand them because they have an accent and they give you an order. Like, "do all of this, turn around and you're like, what? And you're like, you're a piece of shit. And then do a 20 push-up and you're like, fuck, man. And then you have to do a 20 push-ups. So you have no choice because you're, you're a peasant there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, 12 weeks of bullshit and it's mostly mental. The physical part, like I'm a fairly slender guy. So I was really underweight when I joined up. So I struggle a little little wee bit, a wee bit when it comes to like pull-ups and shit like that. Mm. Um, But then you get better. Like they're not there. They're there to weed out the the weak links, if you will. Right. Cause in the first week we had uh, 14 people quit and it's like, good. If you can't, like, I almost broke a few times as you would because they are constantly like torching you, you're, you're, you're exhausted. You're not eating well. Um, You're wondering if you made the right life choice but then you blink and it's over and you're like, Oh my God, I'm outside Syria right now. Like what the fuck happened to my life? Um, So it's, it's, it's good, but they also want you to succeed because you know, we want to have a military, you know, Mm. you want to have members, especially when it's small, like the Navy's always desperate for people We're super short on almost every front. So you don't want to really scare away any good recruits, but if, if they're not up to it, they're not up to it and it gets easier as it goes along, you know, the old Shawshank Redemption, it gets easier, gets easier.
1: Right. Yeah. You hear the stories. I mean, I don't know what Canada has, but you know, the, uh, the Navy SEALs and hell week and the, in the States and all the, oh, yeah. the wild shit that they, they put them through and like in your stories, like putting you, putting you through what was like, what was the wildest thing that like you had to do or like the hardest thing that you were just like, like shit, man, I can, I don't know if I'll be able to do this.
0: Well, okay. So yeah, the, the hardest mentally, staying awake, staying awake was the mm. hardest thing I've ever, you, you get tired in class and you're in high school, you fall asleep, but I've never fallen asleep standing up until I was in boot camp. You know, you're, sta- you're standing up fully erect and you're like giving a presentation on like a briefing for a mission that you have to do and you legit fall asleep standing up. Like I've never had Ooh, so gosh. much struggle the stand up. So then when you, what they say is like, Oh, if you're falling, if you're feeling t- every morning class, you have a lot of classwork in boot camp, by the way, a lot of writing. And that's actually pretty funny. If you look at our notebooks, you can see like where we started and then where we fell asleep because like the writing slowly gets, uh, and then you see like hieroglyphics and then you see like, you know, the, the aliens are real, like all sorts of shit. So he's like, Oh, stand up in the back of the class. And by the end of the class, there's like 42 people standing up in the back, like pinching each other and like trying to stay awake. Um, but the hardest Physical thing for me was every so 12 weeks, every four weeks, you have a march that you have to do a 5K, an 8K, and a 13 kilometer march. The 13 one is done in Farnham, which is like a, the in the field. So it's like forest, uh, hill. Like it's like we have a bunch of training exercises out there. You know, actors come and pretend they're terrorists and we have to deal with the situation, and that kind of shit. Um, you get to fire your weapon, which is really fun. Um, but weapons are bullshit. Like it taught me, like, I hate weapons. They're, they're a poisoned gift as we used to call them. Cause you get it. You're all like, yeah, I got a weapon, but then you got to clean it. You got to take it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So like, you got to take it with toilet with you and sit it down while you're taking a shit. Um, so that's a 13 kilometer March, middle of July with full combat gear, uh, a 60 pound rucksack, your weapon and your ammunition. And that's what something in like the movies and stuff, they don't tell you like ammunition is heavy, like a full magazine, a full like 30 round magazine. It's like four or five pounds, maybe no. a gun experts can be like, <sharp inhale> um, <laughs> but you have like four of those across your chest. You have your weapon. That's like, I use the straps so that around your shoulders. You have 60 pounds on your back, your boots, you're, your feet are already sore from doing parade like marching and you're not sleeping because you've been getting attacked all week. It's a week long exercise. So you get in your tents and your little bunks and you're getting attacked by actors and helicopter crashes, all sorts of shit going on. Stand to, stand to, so then you get all the alarms going off. So you're exhausted. You're only allowed to drink out of your canteen when you're instructed to, and you have to march in cadence. So like almost in a rhythm with the other 60 people in your platoon, you have to march 13 kilometers around this huge gravel hiking path, basically. And the hard thing about that too is not only just staying focused and staying awake and staying, standing up is you got the people that are struggling worse than you that are falling behind. You can't leave anybody behind. So you gotta, so you have the strong guys usually who are up front. They'll like go to the back and they'll be like helping the people out. They'll be helping their backpacks and they're carrying their weapon for them and stuff. You have like, you know, the out of shape people, which I was under shape. Um, that are struggling and they're you know they're crying or they're they're, they want to quit but like you can't quit if you quit then everyone else gets fucked it's just like uh uh, the private pile right and full metal jacket one person fucks up the whole platoon's fucked so then you know you have your leaders kind of come through there and they help out and then at the end you get like the best you can give an award to one of the members of the platoon for the best uh motivational person anyway so that's probably the hardest that's the only one that i was like you get blisters. Holy shit, you should have seen the blisters after we were done. Like people's their whole foot, um uh Kev, calendrino was her name, her entire foot had a giant so they peeled it off in one big piece, this uh, blister oh. on her foot. Um I had my feet were bleeding, not too bad though. And then and then as soon as you get back. You get oranges, this is the first time I 've ever eaten an orange. It was oh my God, it was like a blessing from the gods. but then you have to do a fireman 's drag, so then you have to pretend half the platoon's dead, and then you have to drag this in my case, you were a 200 200 pound Ukrainian fella so I'd like drag him across, which is not easy either, especially after you 've just done that huge march and then you go back and you do parade practice for a couple hours, so you do like the stomps and the and you throw your weapon around that kind of thing so that 's probably the hardest. Staying awake, and the thirteen k was murder, but then you finish it, and i didn 't I, I only barely struggled at the very end where I was like i was op- I was vocal about it. I was like, this sucks like at the very end, but for the most part, you know you keep yourself quiet and people you'd be, you'd be telling jokes to each other. I was actually doing what i 'm doing with you i 'd be telling stories to the boys to keep them kind of motivated, you know telling a joke here and there singing uh, Barrett's privateers with all the other Navy guys. Cause there's only like six Navy guys in the whole platoon out of 60. So we, we kind of grouped together and did our thing. Mm. But uh, yeah, that and the eight foot wall actually, the eight foot wall I struggled with. Cause that's just like a flat eight foot wall made out of plywood and you have to jump over top of it. And, and so
1: you're like, literally on your feet. You gotta jump yeah. up, grab the top and pull yourself over.
0: Yeah. And there's no footsteps. There's no rungs. And you're wearing your, your vest, your tack vest, and you have your weapon and ammunition. And that was the only one that I actually needed somebody to like pull me up over it. Other than that. Right. But then you have like the little, the little fucking four foot tall guy. I can't use my fire team partner. He leaped over that thing. Like he was a goddamn rabbit and just like <laughs> didn't even touch the wood. And I'm me and all the other tall guys, we do that thing where we run up like we're going to run over it. But then we just fucking face plant into it and then we pull ourselves up. Like it was a waste. It was a waste of a run, but we, we do it that way. <laughs> So yeah, actually that, that was a that was another challenging
1: uh, one to do. It's so funny and you know it's it's not comparative, but you get, you know, people like me who are like,
0: oh my back sore
1: because I sit in my chair all day mm. and I'm falling apart. And you know, <laughs> when you just hear shit like that, you're like, oh yeah, um,
0: what, what, it could be rather? worse. Yeah, it could be worse. <laughs>
1: um I, I'm curious because this is another thing that gets like portrayed through through movies, Hollywood and 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 and, uh like TV shows, all that type of stuff. But I guess I guess part of this conversation is kind of like demystifying what's actually going on. Like talk to me about the like the the brotherhood, the the sense of kind of camaraderie that like you get with the people you're serving with. Like is it really that strong as strong to say that like when you're you're out there and I know you said you didn't see combat that like you're, you're kind of doing what you're doing for these people. Like it becomes less and less about like back home and, and about the job. It's like, you're, you're in this with everyone together in this one moment. And, and like, even if something's shitty, you're just like, like, it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm going to do it for these people. Cause like they're my people.
0: Yeah. That's actually why a lot of, I think, veterans, if you had ask them, um, they're a fellow, they're American, uh, has a medal of honor. He set, he put his body on a grenade um, to save his best friend. Like he wasn't there. He wasn't saving his country with the grenade. Like by putting his body, he was saving. You're there for your boys, and that's a hundred percent. Sorry, my phone's giving it, maxi. Um, that that's the reason why I made it through boot camp. I think because I make I'm, I'm okay with making friends. Um, but like my first day you, you, you arrive and everyone else is arriving all over the country. So you're kind of just sitting in this big, like university style classroom. And the guy next to me comes in, like, there's three of us in there. And then this big ginger moose comes in. That's what the drill sergeants call them. Uh, uh, Kerr, I called him Anchor, like we, I'm the Admiral, he was the anchor, like we made uh, nicknames for each other, because I used to put on my white pea cap and go around and go like, Polish <laughs> like doing the whole voice and everything. <laughs> so Anchor sits down next to me, and he's just this big farm boy. And uh, he's like, Oh, what are you? And I was like, Oh, Nissop, what are you? And he's like, oh, Stoker, which is a naval engineer. So we're like, well, Navy boys. And then our bunks were next to each other. So then we got to talk and we, we both like, you know, having a drink here and there going to the, you know, the, the strip clubs and doing, doing your thing. We're both single guys. We both had the same, we both like the same video games and same movies. So we just click like that. And this guy's like six four, two hundred and eighty 280 pounds. He's a bodybuilder. Um, he does the Highland Scottish Highland games. Um, and he's built like a brick shit house. but he kind of struggled when it came to the, the, um, the the exams and the tests like the math and stuff like that so that's where i was like haha like i got you there boy like i'll help you with the smarts you help me with the physical stuff so he would teach me you know like what to eat and you know help me out with push-ups and my form and all that stuff and i would help him study for his exams and stuff like that and we're still best buds to this day i'm going to his wedding in uh hopefully in a few months um back in halifax um i call him anchor because he the only physical test he failed that i passed that i brag about was a swimming one where you jump into a pool i'm gonna turn this off before i'm in a group chat so you get a guy bazillion messages (laughs) um so you're in uniform and you jump in to a pool and you have to wade wade water for two minutes and then you have to do like 20 some odd laps while you're in uniform um Mm -hmm. used to be have to do with your weapon but you don't have to do that anymore thank christ because weapons rust fucking crazy fast Rain, rust immediately. And then you get in shit if your weapon's rusted. So I'm doing or I'm doing my thing. And then Anchor's turn to Gump in and he jumps in. and He goes, thump. And he sinks right to the bottom of the pool. So I was like, Anchor, you're an anchor man. Because he's so fit and so heavy that he couldn't swim. And his uniform was so baggy because he was so large that it filled up with water and he sank straight to the bottom. So they had to send guys. So he's the biggest guy I've ever seen. Arms bigger than my torso with water wings as he's doing his little, <laughs> he's doing his little laps so he could get through. So yeah, the camaraderie and yes, being, being, uh, cause I'm a post ashore now, so I don't have to sail anymore. Um, but it's great. The, 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 sailing sucks. It really does. I hate it. I hate the whole life at sea, but the camaraderie I'm going to miss, you know, you have your, your, your good friends, you hang out in the ops room and you shoot the shit, you talk about chicks and all that kind of stuff, whatever you do. Um, then you go ashore together and you have a few drinks together and, You meet each other at Oktoberfest in Munich where I met a couple of my bosom buddies and we had a great time showing off Canadian pride kind of thing. So yeah, the camaraderie is definitely like, I'd say it's like 80% of why the military can be good. You know, you get this like-minded people and then it's great. Like I've made lifelong friends in the military um it just gets boring talking about military stuff as any job you would like i'm sure casey and their nurse friends all they talk about is nursing and same with me like oh you're, my chief is an asshole my chief <laughs> yeah that's so,
1: true yeah yeah how you just get you get sucked into the life and then that's become and more so for you like because like that's all you kind of know for a while
0: <laughs> yeah well and then you help each other you because you want to see each other succeed so if you see where people are weak and you see where other people aren't and then you help each other out um and then you get like, you're just your characters too. Like, cause it makes you wonder like, how the hell do they pass through some of these tests and exams and boot camp and stuff? Cause you get these apes and these boiled vegetables that you work with. And you're like, but then you keep them around because they're fun to watch and they're fun to see fuck up.
1: <laughs> the way you just, like, it does sound like you're, you're like, as you're talking, I'm like just envisioning like this like, cartoon type movie scenario oh, yeah. of, of, of everything happening and all these different people. In the world. And then you get to
0: teasing them too. Like we had a fellow uh, cop Eeyore, we call him Eeyore because he was just miserable no matter. He's, he's been in like 30 some odd years and he's been a sailor first class, my rank for that entire time, which is not good. That's like usually you're at rank my rank for like maybe three to four years and then you get promoted or you can choose not to get promoted. He's been a, my rank for, 22 some odd years he has so many sea days because you have like a patch like a like a black bronze silver gold for all the days at sea that you've had so like i have the black one so i have like something like 500 some odd days at sea give or take mm. he has over 2000 so he has a honorary platinum one he got in the ship because he put veg he put fruit in the dishwasher um to rinse them off Cause he's like, oh, you put him in the blue train, and you go any time of day, any day of the week, he could have won the lottery. And you ask him, like, cop, how you doing? Eeyore? how you doing, man? He'd be like, fucking bullshit, man. And you're like, all right, buddy. So, anyways, we had uh, the two Manson brothers, Fat Manson and Skinny Manson, um, great hockey players. Anyways, they had this big orange dildo, this giant ass thing, and like, I, they have pictures of me flailing around like a like Darth Maul, like trying to give it maxi. And we're like, hey, it'd be funny if we put this thing underneath. Uh, it, it started making its way around. It's kind of like icing, you know, the off ice. Yeah, yeah. It was making its way around, Orange Crush. So we put it underneath people's pillows and stuff, tease them. So we're like, hey, let's put it in yours. So we jam it underneath yours pillow and he can lose his shit. He's like, what the fuck is this, you purpose? And he's trying to be serious, but he's got this big floppy-ass dildo in his hand. And we're all like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, man. So he's like, fuck you. So he goes up and he throws it overboard. He's like, "That's us take, take that. But one of our boys, uh, Fit Terry, he's a diver. And he was diving that day to pick up, to clean the barnacles off the bottom of the boat. So he jumps in the water and he's doing his thing. And then he sees this giant glowing orange dildo at the bottom of the harbor. And he picks it up and he brings it back up. So we take it and we put it back underneath Eeyore's pillow (laughs) with a note. We wrote a note and it said... uh, you, you you tried to get rid of me, but I'll always be with you. I love you until the end of your days, <laughs> Orange Crush. And you should. have I've never seen it like a man's ears actually like blow steam. But he, he's like, what the fuck? Oh my god, you got another dildo? Like, it's the same one. You weirdo. Like, so he threw it. I think he, I forget what he did after that. I think he threw it overboard again. But Terry wasn't diving, so he couldn't get it. But then like he just he was the we had another guy Dandelion Dan. I uh, smoked dandelions before weed was legal don't ask he's a weird thing what <laughs> yeah he was like our version of eeyore in Nissop. he'd been in Nisop a long fucking time um he had this bright idea said like we have bong bongs which is like a general alarm and that's when you get up to do fire drills and battle drills anything bomb flood so he recorded it on his phone and he's like he's trying to wake people up as a prank with bong bongs but we're not we're not brain damaged. We can hear the difference between a giant ship wide alarm and him standing with his phone. So he goes to the main bathrooms there and he blares it in the middle of the bathroom. And there's only one person showering in there and it's Eeyore. And he can rip soap on the curtain. Fucking Willie hanging out was, what? There's fire, fire, fire. He runs back to his mess, wakes his entire mess of like 40 odd people up saying there's a fire, nothing but his little winky towel going, there's a the fire, get the fuck up, everyone get the fuck up. Like, what are you talking about, cop? There's been no fire. And he's sitting there like, what do you mean? And then there's this dandelion dance sitting at the door and he's like playing his little bong bong recording on his phone. And it's just like, oh man, that's sad. Like the poor guy. But it's also, you know, you it, the whole the whole boat was united against against him in that day so it was it, comes it, was, a, t, it was a team builder <laughs> but i think he knows it too he's he's been there so long he's just there for the paycheck to feed his kids so yours like, ah, is like a shitty fucking day again <laughs> um so i'm gonna miss i'm gonna miss that not being yeah at C, but you can't do that in the office well not anymore because i have to fucking write down every person i talk to and whether or not i kept like six feet of distance and i have to wipe down my keyboard if somebody like blinks at me from across the street it's uh and yeah we're in like little cubicles it's it's yeah it's not so uh open but it's pretty chill and i don't mind the safe office job because i'm not fucking around gallivanting on a warship anymore
1: yeah i mean Aside from all the war stuff that's literally like one of my worst fears, like i'm just terrified of the vastness of the ocean and have this ocean oh, yeah. fear of it's, sharks <laughs>
0: it's big and i'm not 'm not a fan of underwater, just probably like you are i don't like orcas they're they're evil um, sharks, the whole thing and that happens man like when you when you're sta- like the transit to Canada to Europe is if you're going fast, you can make it in a week, like seven days, but if you're going like a standard speed, it's like 10 to fourteen days and you'll go up and look out um, and you'll just sit there and you'll just stare and 360 degrees. There's nothing but water, like as far as the eye can see. And like, if my landlady asked me, she's like, what do you do if you fall off? And I was like, what do you mean? You die, Brenda. Like you you (laughs) accept your fate and you die. Like you ain't swimming nowhere. You die of hypothermia in less than 20 minutes. Uh, So you're in the middle of the Atlantic ocean. You just, so it does especially if you get seasick that's a big one too because it's not like a, when you're when you get like sick, you can like pull over take your breath you know have your bit you're on a ship you're fucked. like you're 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 in prison on this little metal island that you're at the whims of its mercy like it's gone you have to stay with it so i was watching
1: um these like wild videos of like the ocean and, and the waves and how like big they get and like the ship's kind of like going up and crashing in. Like, did you guys ever have to like go through that type of.
0: All the time. All the time. When I went to Trident Juncture in 2019, 2018, 2019 there are two hurricanes, one in Portugal and one just off Iceland. So we're like, let's fucking sail through them, like between them. And then on my way home uh, we were in um, Azores, Portugal and the captain comes and he's like, okay, We have to be home i think it was 24th of january is our day home we can delay it by like two days and wait for this storm to pass or we can can go and the crew was like let's go and we went and it was sea state five um and i'm i forget what the actual like footage of but the waves were like 15 to 20 feet high and they're swell so the boat like goes in and then it goes into the wave and then shoots out the other side. And I have pictures and videos of the boat like being fully engulfed in water, like the whole folks was fully engulfed in water and then shooting up and the water comes and splashes up on the bridge wing. Fucked up my birthday cake because my birthday is the 20th of January. <laughs> and, on your, and on your birthday, the cooks would make a little like, cake in a little bowl and they would leave it for you. I was on the midnight shift. So i would show up at midnight, got my cake and I was all excited and I put it down on the table I turned around to get a spoon, and that's when the ship took a roll. So the bowl went Whoop! and then it just smashed all over the fucking floor. And I was like, God, this is my day. It's the only thing I have. So I ate the cake and I ingested glass because it was white glass and a white cake with vanilla icing <laughs> and it had sprinkles. So I was like, taking a bite. and I was like, oh, is that sprinkle or glass? And I'm yeah, like, it's so glass. <laughs> and I just so I ate my damn cake and it was, it was for me. It was, me. It was for me. Oh. But yeah, you get really bad. Uh, I don't get nauseous seasick. I get headaches and migraines. Um, everyone has seasickness different. If they say they've never been seasick, they're full of shit. Everyone at some point in their lives gets seasick, no matter how violent it gets. Um, but everything's Velcroed. So the entire boat, like my TV's Velcroed and duct tape and your pencil sharpeners and your stuff are all Velcroed to all different parts of your station. So you always luckily have that, but just it's just hard to stay standing upright. You're, having, you're trying to have a wee, and you're like <laughs> getting thrown around having a shower there's handles in the showers that you hold on to because you don't want to touch your bare butt to the fucking cold steel of the wall so it's like and it like scares you it's kind of like when you know you need to get a kiss from neptune every now and then when your balls touch the water because the water in the, the toilet like splashes up um so it's just like shit like that you're trying to walk down the hall to get a coffee and you're sitting there and your shit's flying all over the place so yeah it gets really really bad uh-huh. but that's the atlantic for you. the atlantic is a the north sea like the baltic area yeah. uh, scandinavia that those seas are fucking treacherous yeah that's where those Mediterranean is actually from. not bad Mediterranean is fairly smooth
1: oh boy um I'm, do you like see like sh- like animals and shit too like when you're out there like oh yeah I, I don't know like dolphins or
0: port porpoises is what we call them they, oh. they they quite enjoy the ship when it comes by they think I'm it's just right, a really big dolphin so they'll come and they'll like jump out the water in front of you and they'll try to follow you and stuff which is uh, pretty cute wow. i haven't seen many whales but i've seen sea turtles and um sharks we have seen a lot of sharks um but yeah mostly a lot of dolphins in harbors too like romania's harbor we fought dolphins all the time i don't know if they're t- legally dolphins They could have been a smaller version i'm sure the you know the Krat brothers we have the teacher plug for <laughs>
1: it seems like surreal just thinking of like i mean it becomes a part of your life but you know like people go their whole lives without seeing it and then they you know you see nature kind of like relatively i mean aside from you and like other ships that come through like just basically undisturbed like undisturbed nature that like almost has no human contact just doing its thing
0: the vastness of the atlantic ocean like You don't see anything like you, like there's, you don't see any pollution. You don't see, you can go 10 days without seeing anything, but it's also really nice at night because there's no um, light pollution like cities or smoke Mm. or smog. So the stars, like there's like no clouds. And just, the stars are so clear. There's no wonder they could navigate by them back in the day because Jesus Christ, you could almost like, you can almost feel like you could pick them out of the air because they're so bright and Vibrant, but that's the other thing too, because like a ship usually sails complete darkness when it's nighttime. Not only because of your night vision, if you sail with red lights, you don't ruin your night vision, um, it's just to like not be seen. But like maybe mm. there's a pirate or somebody nasty out there, just stay, just stay dark. Go for it. Um, how goddamn dark it is. It's like the power went out in my street. 15 20 years ago and all the street lights were gone and it was like a horror film like you open your door and there's just literally you can't even see your hands in front of your face yeah. it's so dark so you're like oh so that's uh plus when i work i work in the red lights in the ops room 24 hours a day almost so it's almost always dark so mm. I, I sleep in the dark i wake up in the dark i work in the dark yeah you eat dim lights so oh, it gets uh, mentally draining for you after a while. So I'd, I'd go several weeks without seeing sunlight oh, because I'd be I'd be too tired. Like the only time you see sun is if you go up yourself. But when you're not working, you're so tired and you're so you know ready to just get the day over with. Like why would I go upstairs? Go up three sets of ladders when I could go down one and fall asleep in my rack. You know, so you, right. you get Do you guys
1: like have to supplement or anything like that? Like you do you guys like take vitamin D? Um, you know.
0: It's just think, like
1: people have a seasonal affective disorder and, and, you know, mental health issues, even when it's cloudy. Like if you're in the dark all the time, like you're right. Like that would like, tr- like have to like drive people insane.
0: Oh yeah. It's your own prerogative. Like we don't prescribe anything. The only thing the doc right. has is Tylenol and gravel and lots and lots of gravel and condoms. Um, <laughs> uh, so if the health guys, like I brought um, a bunch of like protein powder and Uh, Veggie green powder and stuff like that, because you don't like you're at the whims of your cooks too, right? So if your cooks don't cook what you like, it kind of sucks. So if you're uh, a vegan, it's very hard. They have Mm. vegan options for every meal, but it's hard to really. It's usually just couscous and spinach wraps and shit like that. Like it's hard for the cooks to really because we get what we get in the stores in uh, the countries. So like when we went to Romania, we got chicken wings, but they still had the feathers on them because they don't have chicken wings there. So you get these, your plate comes out with pizza night and you get pizza and these four fucking dead birds on your plate. You're like, Oh shit. Like I got to do this myself. Okay. Um, so if they don't cook like a vegetable and usually they're vegetables and fruits, there's always fresh fruit. Try to be, try to have fresh fruit at all times and vegetables. But if like, you don't like asparagus and shit, man, like you can either have mm-hmm. to eat it or yeah, be proactive and bring your own kind of supplements or pills and stuff. But Yeah. It uh, definitely sucks being in the dark all the time. And then, because then you'll be on like a midnight shift and then you get to port and the only thing you want to do is fucking sleep. So you sleep through the first night or you go and you get wasted and you don't even remember what happened. So you barely even remember the city. Like my first time in Palma, Mallorca, Jesus Christ, I couldn't tell you a thing about the city besides they had really fruity drinks. (laughs) I got a (laughs) Um, t-shirt.
1: I'm also curious, was there a time... And I mean, you could pick any time if there was any, but where it got like real tense, like I know you kind of like slipped over like the, the pirates, like driving in the dark and, and pirates. And I, I think that's one thing people don't often think about unless you watch some sort of movies where you're talking about Somali pirates or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Or, you know, is there a time where shit got real tense, like where you're just like, ooh, like this could go, go anywhere and you actually kind of got like a little bit worried something might go down?
0: Not really, to be honest. Hmm. They're fairly, fairly relaxed. I think the, probably the most tense would be Syria, the first three times I was there. Um, but you're mostly, you're mostly on edge because everyone else is, like all the command staff is, because they know more than you. The captain, right. the officers, they know more than you do. We're there to do your job. They know the... the reason like they know the, the the behind the scenes sort of thing and we don't they don't usually you don't really need to know the fucking engineers don't need to know anything they don't even know where they are half the time uh, so they usually ask us the operators they're like where are we like are we even in the mediterranean anymore like no nah, it's like we're we're in london um so yeah that's i think that's the only time i've been tested because like you're walking on eggshells depending on your command staff too because sometimes they can be very vault because they're stressed out too and they're mm-hmm. exhausted and if they you know freak out and say you're a piece of garbage they're right because they're the captain It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong i've had the knife hand multiple times mostly like our fellow teammates and stuff getting reamed out for nothing in particular it's just the captain's having a bad day but he's the he's in charge so he's right you're a piece of shit you know what i mean like after he leaves you'll be like you're okay relax you're okay um So I guess that's the only time I've, yeah, I've I've never been in a dangerous, I've never thought my life was on the line, luckily so far. Um, but other, like my, one of my good friends and first boss is actually red path. He was in Libya on the Charlottetown, I think 10 years ago and they actually got fired at by shore targets. Um, can't remember if it was the, if, if it was the Gaddafi thing so, there's some sort of dictator there he's not in charge anymore but there was a big problem with libya back in the early 2010s and he was there for that so they got fired on so i think that's the only time they would have been tense but yeah other than that we we don't really see too much uh, combat or anything that really stress us out that in that particular way right luckily
1: um before that you go, i, I am curious cuz and we were talking a little bit earlier about the the politicization of the 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 media and one thing typical I see a lot of especially when it comes to like immigration and and refugees and all that stuff that like you know why are we taking them in and and not supporting our veterans and and all that type of stuff and you know I'm just I'm really unfamiliar with with really how we treat veterans and if we do we do a good job taking care of them or if it were as bad as some people say I don't know like like what's going on when, when you get home and I don't know if you can, you know, maybe dismantle that kind of argument or you can be like, no, yeah, I know some things are shit. Um, because I just, I know a lot of people kind of bring it up and, and I don't think anyone truly understands unless you're in the military or know somebody that, that has served.
0: For the most part, in my experience, it has been pretty good. Um, I have heard the same horror stories. I'm sure you're, you might use that example of the fellow with one leg, uh, who yeah. was chirping Trudeau for not, and he says, you're asking more than we can afford or something, something along those lines. I saw it on Facebook a few years ago. Um, when it comes to like medical stuff like that, all the people that I know that had to get Medicare released have gotten it and they've gotten like my buddy, he was a, uh, uh, what's the thing where you're allergic to gluten? celiac um, celiac you had celiacs so they released him they gave him like three years of full wage and they paid for his university so now he's paramedic now he's killing it he's loving it um you obviously can't be a celiac in the military because you can't c- cater like i said get chicken wings with the fucking feathers on them how the hell are we supposed to make sure every single thing is gluten-free that but... and if it's, it's so debilitating i had another friend who had a paper cut on his eye and like his eyeball Ooh. Huh. um yeah so like i don't i'm trying to picture how it must have happened in slow motion like is he somebody knocked papers out of his hand and he opened oh his eyes God. and one went? so he got a medical release for that because obviously jesus christ like he wakes up every day with his eye glued to like his eyelid that he had to like rip open um so yeah in my experience most of the veterans especially navy i guess have been treated well i don't know anything about the air force the army mm. um they're like, because we, we get a lot of resources. I'll give you that if we can go to mental health. The resources are really great. And In Halifax, we had a building, uh, the hospital, like first floor's dentist and then such and such. The fifth floor was the um, mental health war, war, floor. I went through a pretty bad breakup in my second year in the forces. It was very, very hard for me to function well. So my boss, literally the paper cut guy, He was like, you seem bad, go to the fifth floor. I was like, what do you mean go to the fifth floor? Like there's counselors there, 100% of the time. There's a 24-hour phone line if you need it. Because I was having career anxiety too. Like, did I make a mistake? Is this the right path for me? I'm a goddamn stand-up comedian. I'm sitting here with a fucking rifle in my hand, like in the middle of the woods. So I went straight there, walked up and was like, I'm feeling kind of shitty. My missus left me. It's been a bad go. And they're like, all right, go see Brenda. She's in there right now. And you go, I'm sitting down. So the resources you have are pretty good for that kind of thing. Whether or not they're effective, that's up to the mm. person itself, really. It didn't, it, it was just nice for me to vent, basically. I got over it as you as you would most, any kind of relationship issues like that. It wasn't as bad as like, she didn't die or anything like that. But anyways, so I will say like they, we have good, when we come back from C, um, A week before, we have a week long of briefs on how to reintegrate uh, mm. like how to behave around family again. Cause like loud noises, big crowds, things like that. It, it's it causes anxiety for a lot of people. I know I did when I was going to like dance bars and stuff right afterwards, you're like all these flashing lights and loud noises kind of like, doesn't like trigger anything, but it just makes you uncomfortable. Um, anxious if you will. So we have briefs on all how to handle that. You have a post-deployment and a pre-deployment medical screening. So if you have any concerns, you can bring it up to a doctor or a psychiatrist there, and they have all the questions like, do you sleep well? Have you been having, I used to have a coffin syndrome when I was on the ships um, where I would uh, night terrors. So like our bunks are like three stacked high. The top one, which is on my second tour, which is dope because it had no roof. So I could sit up, I could stand up. I toss and turn a lot in my sleep. But when you're on the middle one, you have a guy above you and a guy beneath you and there's nothing but a curtain and it's pitch black. So i would wake up in the middle of the night not knowing where I was. And mm-hmm. there's one time where I woke up screaming and I was like punching because I had a dream That a a rather large gentleman who was my supervisor was sitting, put me in a coffin and then sat on it. So then I had this nightmare that I was trying to like punch myself out, but my body was actually punching Fit Terry's rack above me. So I'm punching his bunk and he's sitting like, what the fuck? He's like, I'm screaming in the middle of the night. So they come out and rip my curtain open and calm me down and stuff like that. But then once I got home, like it was fine. And then my second tour, I was sleeping on top bunk, so I had nothing, no issues with that but I was able to have the resources to fix that problem. Or if I wanted to, we have like uh, great medical stuff too. Like, um, eyes are covered, uh, not laser surgery. That's bullshit. Um, but like t- we have our own dentists that we can go to whenever we want, whenever I wanted, you know, blood work. If I felt like I had herpes or something like that, I could go straight to the doctor, take time off work, walk up there and be like, I want to pee in your cup. And they're like, all right, here's your cup pee in it and then there you go um so I, I would say that we we try to we that's i think i'll, I'll put that as the big thing we try mm-hmm. to help we try to help as best as we can
1: that's whether good to or hear. not it's
0: effective that's up to the person itself i guess yeah
1: um i mean uh, yeah that's good to hear because that's going to be my next question i'm glad you brought up mental health you know mm-hmm. obviously that's something I, I talk about a lot and it's you know the impact of like you said being in those high even though that like, you know, you didn't even really have to face anything too, too challenging in terms of combat, but like
0: even isolation. Yeah. Just being away from your family, people like their kids grow as they're gone. Right. Like my buddy Redpath, he's been on four tours in less than 10 years. So he's missed birthdays. He's missed his kids. First day of school. He's missed all sorts of stuff. And the kids too. So when he comes back, the kid might not even recognize him because, you know, when you're like three years old, you don't remember much. And then when you're four, you kind of do. So mm-hmm. like this strange person comes in um, and then you have those issues where like, oh, the worst case scenario is like people's wives leaving them while they're away. Um, and then they take all their shit or like something happens like a family member dies or something and then they're, they're, they're stuck. They're on this, they're in the middle of the Atlantic. That's not like the helicopters out of range. So they have to wait until they get to a harbor and then they could fly, the person home after that which we had to have done a few times um so it's, it's just stressful in that kind of situation too and just mm-hmm. yeah literally being in the dark away from life like we call it a time machine because we don't see movies coming out we don't hear about news really because we don't have very good internet while we're out there if at all so i'll come back and i'll have like all these buildings got built in the city or these you know my cousin got married and had two kids. I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? I was just like, I was just doing my thing and everything's different. So there's a lot of, it's a pretty hard, uh, reintegration. That's why we have those briefs to help us resume our integration, like schedules too. Like when you get back, you, you feel like you're still on watch, you know? So you want right. to, you're awake at 12 at night and you're ready to go, but your your kid is trying to sleep, go to school the next day and shit like that. So right. it does, um, even if there's no combat, it's just, yeah
1: it could the possibilities there right like yeah, I'm sitting here too, yeah. in the middle of ottawa like i i know like something like 99.99 like you know isn't going to happen but mm. when you're when you're there like you know, anything could happen Obviously, yeah i still mean be a little bit look low, at the Fredericton, that.
0: the Fredericton took our spot because there's always a ship deployed 100 of the time so we crossed azores and they crossed us and then their helicopter goes down six people died Mm -hmm. while the crew is watching because they're on flying stations so like some of the uh, crew members the engineers and stuff would have been on the flight deck ready to land the helicopter and then it goes down so then they have all so not only are they are not allowed to go ashore because of covid which is fucking miserable um, because that's when you can go and explore eat the food see the touristy things get wasted go to the strippers go do your thing they can't do that and then their helicopter goes down. So they lose six comrades, which I'm sure the poor buggers must've been in bad shape for that too. Um, and then yeah, and there's having this whole pandemic thing to deal with and then they come home and everything's fucked like and nothing's open or you have to do the mask spit and all this other people are scared and all this. So the the, um, the, the best part about coming home is seeing your family on the harbour like a Harbor and they're all the big posters and there's a band playing and everyone's cheering and it almost gets you emotional. Cause the whole crew is up there in their fancy uniforms all like, we're finally we did it. We're coming back. They weren't allowed to do that. Oh. So the Freddie came home to an empty pier and they had to meet their families uh, on their own sort of thing in a different building. So like they didn't even have that when they came back. So it's like they had the most miserable fucking trip I can only imagine. Um, and they don't even have that last, you know, people clapping and cheering for, because when we came back on the St. John's, it was so foggy, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, but we could hear the band playing on the harbor. So we're like, they're somewhere, like Marco, you know what I mean? Like to try and find them. And then when they finally appear out of the mist, all your the family, like my, my family surprised me. They, uh, by, they were I didn't think all of them were going to be there, but they were. And I was like, oh my God, this is fucking crazy. Like my whole family's here. Everyone's a, Poor Friday didn't have that. They came back and they all were just sad as they got off the boat and total silence and, and they went and did their thing. So, mm-hmm.
1: If you think about everything that's happened in, just in 2020 alone, like I look back in January, it seems like 10 years ago, but you know the Australian wildfires and then everything that's gone through that, you know, Kobe, uh, the pandemic, all these things, George Floyd, you know, think of all those things that you miss in a year. And I just want to dig into that feeling just a little bit like not knowing all this news, all these things that have changed, you just come back and you're blindsided by all this news. What is, like, how does that feel? Like, is it like sad? Like, do you become kind of numb to it because it's just like, holy shit, like this happened, this happened, this thing's built, this person died, you know, like overwhelming almost. Like how does, what is the impact on, you know, maybe through your own experience or or your friend's experience on that? Because that just sounds... Like waking up from like a like you know like a ten year nap you know like yeah you know, shows about
0: that it's kind of like um, a movie with Brendan Fraser there uh, when he goes into like the the bomb bunker for thirty years or something like that and yeah. comes up like uh, so I'd say most you just get numb to it because when we on our way back that's when the whole was it a the, the aircraft the passenger aircraft that got shot down was that Iran that did that yeah 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 so that was happening and we're you'd have the half the crew in the cafeteria all watching the news because we happen to have tv at that time satellite we we, we all want the entire crew watched trump's uh, big broadcast on it because we're like is this yeah we're like, we were like six months we had like two weeks left and we're like if we have to go to fucking iran it's gonna be a shitty day boys <laughs> the brits started sending destroyers down there so we're like oh no if the brits are going we might have to go to at the same time we don't really have the equipment to sustain like whatever they were doing over there whether it be like um making like kind of a I don't know like a blockade if you will or like shore bombardments we don't have that we we don't have that much ammunition we were running at low on food and fuel and stuff so luckily I don't think we would have but half the crew sitting there watching like "Could, could you imagine and then this whole COVID thing happened right when we came back so we kind of dodged a little bit of it like things were still kind of calm but yeah, at the, at the time, like, for me, I just, all I'm thinking of is uh boot camp training, let's see, your next meal, or your next sleep time. That's how I got through the day. I'd be sitting there like, oh, my God, this is the worst day of my life. Like, everything's so boring, or oh, I'm trying to fall asleep, and I'm like, oh, it's soup and 50. 15 minutes. I can get soup in 15. And then you sit down, you have your little bowl of soup and you're all excited. And you go back up and it's like, oh, it's lunch in an hour and a half, boys. It's lunch. That's all you need. Lunch in a half, an hour and a half, lunch an hour and a half. And then it's like, the watch is over, going straight to bed, going straight to bed. Or oh, you're on guard duty, which is the worst thing in the Navy by far, duty watch, where you stand on the upper decks with a radio for 12 hours and guard the bridge, the, folk, uh, the brown no. coming in. Um, all you're thinking of is like, Oh, I get to go to bed in an hour. I get to go to bed in an hour. So it's the same thing when all this shit was going down, I ran, I wasn't, I was gambling and saying it wasn't going to affect us at all. I figured we weren't going to go to war. Um, so I'm sitting there just like, all right, it's almost lunchtime. It's almost lunchtime. I ran, whatever. Don't worry about them. Just like try not to think about it, you know, cause if you mm-hmm. get, think about it you're doing yourself a disservice because you're just stressing yourself out over something you can't control. Like it's out of your control. It's not sailor first class. It's not going to war because he wants to go to war. Like it's up to the the higher ups. The same thing with whatever the government, like when people ask me like, Oh, what side do you fall on? I don't fall on any side. They do their thing. As long as I still get paid and I, you know, get my pension, do what you got to do, man. Like as long as you're not punching me in the face.
1: Right. Yeah, that's uh yeah, everyone thought that Iran thing, like people are like, Oh, the World War Three's coming. It like mm. that was a, a high tense. I can just only imagine then you get back, you can't do comedy anymore, really. Yeah. <laughs> All the things are closed, like everything you're probably like trying to look forward to. Can't go back out on dates. Everyone's social distancing. It's like Yeah, online
0: dating is bullshit, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's so uh, like just- well, it's not only that but when everyone else is mobilizing right like like i said when the brits started sending destroyers down the americans were sending uh aircraft carriers all the whole worse, so we're sitting there like oh my god like because if nato wants nato could have easily been like that's it hmcs halifax or go to iran and we have no real choice of that because that's nato's it's like the u.n basically and well i'm probably gonna get in trouble for that but i don't know um they're the boss men. So NATO's like, do it. we got to do it. So when everyone else is um, joining the football team, you're like, well, I guess we got to as well, you know, but luckily we were at the end of our trip. So we're like, Nope. The captain was like, let's, let's just go home and hope for the best. And then luckily nothing came of it that yeah. I know of. Yeah.
1: Um, listen, man, thank you so much. Was, this is hilarious. One of the funniest conversations I had. Do you have like, but getting back to comedy, I don't know if you're you're zooming um, or anything like that, or if you're getting back to any shows. Oh, I'm or... far too
0: depressed to do that these days.
1: <laughs> That's what makes a good comedian, isn't it?
0: Oh yeah, my misery brings other people pleasure. That's why everyone loves me when I'm working because I always just whinge about it the whole time, or I'm, or I do like funny voices and stuff to try to le- alleviate the situation, or just shit like that. So, but at uh, the day of the day, I'm like, fuck, people love it when I'm miserable, so they're like, oh fuck, okay, well, it's yeah, uh, it's
1: one of the kind of sad facts of life that when you think of like brilliant artists or musicians or you know anything like the best type of art comes when you're fucked up
0: yeah exactly yeah Uh,
1: no one wants a happy person you think (laughs) no one wants taylor swift's happy album i want to hear about her boyfriend type
0: yeah but they're not ever ever getting back together
1: Uh, anyway well uh (laughs) again (laughs) thanks man uh, I appreciate this. I, I always give someone a chance to, to give a plug. I don't know if you have any social media you want to plug or if you're like, Hey, donate to veterans or don't be an asshole. I don't know, man. Floor is yours for whatever you want to say.
0: Final words. Yeah. Uh, if you want a decent job that pays well and get to see the world, go for it. You know, we need people. You don't have to be a Patriot like me. I'm just paying my bills and you don't have to do it forever. I don't think I'm going to do it forever. 10 years get a good resume fodder um i guess you could i, I do a let's plays drewsters let's plays on youtube i don't update it much as i uh, used to but hey if you want to watch me play some video games here and there have some mm. funny banter go for it i twitch uh, stream vr i should do more i haven't done it in like four or five months but check me out same name twitch.tv slash drewster
1: bd man appreciate it uh i'll say it thank you for your your service and it's awesome conversation and uh, all the best moving forward for sure yeah
0: thank you very much for having me oh, man. you take the red pill you stay in wonderland and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes